Hello, welcome to another episode of Coffee with Mirko. I'm your host, Mirko Babasa from Coffee Fixation, and uh, I'm glad that you're here, glad that you could make it, and uh, hope you're safe and sound. Um, for all the people tuning in, um, apologies, this podcast was meant to uh, go live actually uh, in about eight and a half hours, but uh, me and Cole kind of had a little <laughs> misunderstanding when it came to uh, time zones, so... We got live now, and uh, yeah, this is going to be a special, special episode. So uh, bear with us until Cole join us uh, live from his account. We'll send him an invite right now, and um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be quite special. Oh, here he is. Here he is. Good morning, mate. Hey, hey, hey. How you doing? Good. We we made it. We made it. Yeah. Sorry for the uh, sorry for the confusion, man. No, no. It's it's. Uh, I should have known better after seventy four episodes all over the world. But um, I, I yeah, that's okay. These things happen. And uh, thank you for still making it. And uh, this course, episode yeah. will be recorded, so it's all good. And um, well, first things first. Uh, how are you? And how's your family? And how's everything going with these interesting times uh good yeah i'm i'm good the family's good uh i'm based in calgary so we're about 1.4 million people depending on the source that you look at i think we've got about five or six hundred active cases in uh you know so in a percentage basis very low I think a lot of people have, have gotten back to a comfort zone where they're back to, to normal scheduled programs and whatnot. And, you know, we're, we're wearing masks and doing the, the protocol and living the new normal, baby. That's it. <laughs> That's the normal. That's right. It, it, it the is way it is, right? Yeah, the way I describe it and is just um, just as much as we got used to to tougher airport procedures you know like before 9-11 uh, going to catch a plane was so much easier and uh, yeah. there is no going back to normal there's going to be a new normal and uh, like you said you know we wear the masks and whatnot and melbourne is you know we are in a full lockdown and uh we have well, f- nearly five million people live here and you know i think yesterday was about 80 cases in one day which is you know i mean obviously you know, it's always bad to get sick, but it's nothing in comparison to 8,000 in France last week in one day. So, yeah, yeah we'll yeah. see. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, um, based, you're based in Sydney or you're in Melbourne? Melbourne. You're in Melbourne. Yeah, Melbourne. So, yeah, but that's all right. Look, well, you know, it, it forced me to work, do the work that I don't want to do, which is the computer stuff. <laughs> hey, that's good. That's good. <laughs> that's right. Uh, cool. Uh, thank you for coming. Um, let's just jump into it. Um, how did you actually start in coffee, uh, this amazing journey of yours? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I I maybe took a bit of an unorthodox approach getting here. Um, I, I graduated and I was planning on taking a gap year and actually uh, coming to Australia for a year before going to university. And at the time that I did that, it, it didn't work out very well. I didn't plan things very well. I wasn't well situated to make it happen. 
And so I ended up getting a job here in Calgary. And I was working for a little mom and pop coffee shop and, you know, they served pizzas. It was kind of Italian flair, uh, pizza, calzone, that sort of stuff, panini. And, and I was serving as super dark espresso, cappuccino, where you would steam the milk first, as hot as you can, as much foam as you can. And then you'd put the whole jug in, in the fridge. So it comes down to, yeah, it comes down to drinkable temperature. And then you get that like perfect, you know, mountain foam or whatever you want to call it. Uh, shortly realized it was not, it was not for me, a very hit and miss type of, uh, type of establishment. And, uh, I reached out to my brother. I've got a, two older brothers and, and the eldest is 10 years older than me. He's my business partner today. Um, we, he, he had two coffee shops at the time, Rosso called Cafe Rosso. Uh, today it's called Rosso Coffee Roasters, but uh, I I joined in working for him, thinking I'd be, you know, six months before I went to school or something like that. And uh, eleven years later, I'm still on a gap year, still waiting for my opportunity to go to Australia and still making coffee. And, <laughs> and it's great. It's a shame because you could have made it to Melbourne this year with the WBC, but uh, yeah, obviously yeah, it's, it's a bummer. But hey, it, it is what it is. We, right. we live with it, right? I had to smile when you said calzone, uh, the, especially even the way you say it. Just remind me of you know George Costanza and the Seinfeld. Uh, okay. But um, <laughs> it's it's it's, um, it's a good memory of mine. But uh, I think. Um, all right. So what, what was sort of the transition? Like, you know, you kind of went from, you know, like that kind of shock to your brothers. And was it like a big shock? And was that the spark that were like, okay, there is a lot here to learn and I want to learn? Yeah, great, great question. So I, I got in there and I, I love hospitality. I love talking to people. I love, you know, service and, and trying to push the best service standards that we can and and I love that above, maybe maybe above coffee at, at the beginning of, of my career. And so I, I just was really into engaging with people. Latte art was a cool way to kind of get into, you know, making coffee. And, and at this time, so we, we have an interesting history. When, when the cafe first opened in 07, which is two years prior to me getting involved, uh, Dave was serving Illy. So for, for those that don't know Italy, like multinational uh, brand out of Italy that's, that's known for classic Italian espresso and, and the big, big Atmos uh, silver, you know, hopper that goes onto your hopper, vacuum flushed. And uh, they, they do a really nice job for consistency, quality wise, you know, there's, there's better things out there. Not that their quality is, is bad or I want to throw any shade at them. I think Italy, we owe a lot in the industry to, to stuff they've done. Uh, we decided we wanted to, sh to shift from Italy and we went to um, a very polar opposite extreme on quality for George Howell. And to my understanding, we were the first Canadian company that was serving George Howell since his, his sort of rebirth, if you will, maybe 10 years ago. Uh, logistics didn't make any sense. Shipping from Eastern USA, Boston into, into Canada, we had to go by truck and then by rail. And then, you know, and it was, it was a challenge. So we, uh, we moved away from, from George Howell, but it was, it was George Howell's terroir 
he's got a, an offering on his menu called terroir that I think really opened my eyes to what coffee can taste like. And it wasn't, it wasn't the Panama geisha experience that a lot of people describe. That's like the whoa shit moment for, for their coffee experience. But it was actually, uh, it was a coffee from El Salvador and it was, it was super bright and refreshing, but then it was also like, very complex, low tones, fresh tobacco, dark chocolate, that sort of thing. And I was like, whoa, there's, you know, it's, it's like I'm eating a chocolate bar and smoking a Cuban cigar and I'm getting all of that out of this little espresso. So that was uh, where the, the interest in coffee triggered. And then I, I started competing probably two or three months after that. Okay. Uh, so right, right into it, which is, which is, Okay. Well, Italy is actually what well, my mom's and, you know, dad and my brother yeah. drink back home. So, yeah. you know, I, you know, I, I grew up hating coffee because of the bitterness. So I actually started drinking coffee here in Melbourne. So <laughs> I sort of was lucky. I had quite the opposite experience. I started from uh, my first, yeah, my first specialty coffee job shop. And, uh, you know, I was drinking, you know, beautiful light cello from, Joseph, so <laughs> I was lucky. I went from the top all the way. Um, but anyway, it's good. So hospitality, I think it's something that often we kind of forget in coffee. It's just like we stop, you know, we focus on a lot of different things and aspects with coffee, uh, which is which is important, uh, you know, from uh, what we're drinking, how we drink. But um, how how important is still for your role and what you do today? The people aspect, the, the the real hospitality, because without hospitality, we don't have a coffee shop. Without coffee shop, we can't serve the coffee that we want to serve. Right. Yeah. I I think I think at the end of the day, people drive coffee, right? You know, it, it's it, it it's impossible to grow a business that's based on people when you don't like people, right? And that's that's not business school one hundred and one. That's that's not learned in the textbook. That's just simply you got to like people if you want to have a, a people facing business and I and I think I think we talk about that only being in coffee shops but I think that actually exists in in all levels of, of the supply stream and you know be it be it making friends or relationships with coffee producers that that you're purchasing from or working with or a competition scene and getting to know your other competitors like like all of that stuff I think makes a huge difference in in how, how maybe an individual career or a business can can really play out and, and get done. It's all about yeah. people. It's all about people, the stories, yeah. and, you know, I was having breakfast and re-watching your uh, routine from, from last year. So, okay. which, which is sort of brings me to the next question. You know, it's like, where is the past or where is the future? It's all connected. It's all a chain of progression made thanks to the people. Um, and your story about how you came across uh, that beautiful cedar coffee is quite quite unique. I mean, it was a people's story and usually those stories are shared by storytelling with our friends and family and that's what it, Is this how we should communicate coffee with people? Through stories? I think, I think if the person gives you the opportunity or gives you the grounds to do so, then yes. I think if if I'm a barista behind the bar and you come in and I can tell you're not really engaged, you you just you need a cup of coffee and you're going to be on your way, then 
you know, I, I think that's even better customer service to, to identify that and to say, okay, this guy, you know, I'm going to give him the hi, how are you? What can I get for you? Okay. See you later, pal. Like that's, that's the service you want. I'll provide that. That's okay. But with somebody who's looking to, to settle in for the day, maybe have a couple of, couple of cups of coffee, you know, that, that's the opportunity to engage. So I think it's dependent on circumstance. Yeah, I agree. I think it's something that, you know, where I think it's quite easy to know when people want to kind of engage with that and they, they wanted that story. But like you said, it's still, you know, good to serve those people who just want to have a coffee and go because, you know, they kind of make the bread and butter of businesses, which is still much relevant. Um, so sort of going back a little to, to you deciding to compete, uh, what made you say, okay, I'm just going to go for it and uh, why why barista competition as well so we didn't we didn't have any other competitions at that point at least that i that i knew of in canada it was just barista comp uh, i've always been a competitive guy i've got two older brothers i played sports you know growing up and and i love basketball i i've got the toronto raptors playing on on you know the screen you can't see in the room right now uh, so, so I, I've always been a, been a competitive guy. I love sports and I guess I, I found myself making coffee, not really necessarily knowing what the next two years, five years, 10 years of my life was going to look like. And, and thought to myself, well, I'll, I'll give competition a go, see if I can get good at this or, or if I'm not good at this, great. I can identify it through butchering this competition uh maybe i can make some friends connect with some people in the community see see what it's like outside of, of our four walls at rosso and see see what happens from there uh, yeah yeah and i think i think the competition often is seen as the destination point you know but it's actually often the you know where you, know, you get there you do your thing but that's actually from there that you start molding or evolving and start you know the, the, even a further growth process yeah uh, was that always the case for you yeah I, I think from the first year i i think i butchered it somewhat i i didn't make it through the regional round we had four regionals at that point uh ben putt won as he always always does he won the regional that year and uh, i i did not make it out of the regional but what i took out of competing was one, the thought, shit, there's a lot to learn about coffee. You know, I, I've hardly scrapped, scraped the, the surface. Uh, but two, my foundation for making coffee after that first year was so much stronger because I, I really honed in on the technical score sheet. And mm. with that, I was, I was able to deliver, I felt, more consistent product in, in the cafe environments uh, a product I had better, better confidence speaking to. And on top of that, the people I was working with were looking at me saying, you know, why, why are you doing that? What, what was that move that you just did? And they were also looking to improve on, on a, a quality and consistency level, sort of learning from osmosis. So I realized through competition, it was a platform to really learn and educate about coffee, but also, 
maybe be a leader within my own my own small community of, of baristas. Yeah, and, and and you started you started you know young as well, at it, and I think I've been reading a book uh, called Outliers, and uh, the first chapter is actually talks about uh, Canadian hockey. Okay. Basically, it's a psychology book, and uh, they're describing success and the leaders in different fields, whether it's sports or high tech, and saying that talent is not always enough. And they made a calculation that you you know you need about ten thousand hours right. of right. a certain you know practice whatever you practice to become good at it, you know, master of it. And but not only that, it's also your environment. So, for instance, there's a study around the top uh, hockey Canadian players, uh, but even basketball, where based on where they are born, they have substantial advantages just from the date of their birth. Because, you know, if they're born, you know, early January, they can start the Canadian hockey season right off the bat compared to someone born in November. So they got six, seven, eight months ahead of them. So how important is right. even in coffee to start learning from the get-go? Right. I, I'm January 10th. That's why I'm in the, NA, the NHL and I'm, I'm a huge so uh, hockey, soccer. What's, what? uh, yeah, I, I think it's so important to, to get, get in at an early age and um, just, I, I think, learn at an early age. And, you know, whether it's committing to doing something consistently or whatever, whatever the case is, I, I reference I reference what we do in coffee competitions as sport because I think if you want to be great at them, you practice as if it is, you know, free throws or three pointers or you're you're doing drills, you're you're trying to improve all the time. So I, I reference it as sport and I think if you're interested in, in doing it and interested in competing, I would get into it ASAP. Don't don't wait till next year. Uh, just just register for the next coffee competition that's happening in your country or in the country that you can compete in, which right now is is up in the air everywhere. But, uh, you know, sign up, uh, try to get a friend that'll help you help you through it. And I think that's a really important part, too, is having having a figure that is willing to coach you. Coffee yeah. competition is is the equivalent of like insider baseball. You know, I I don't know how to look at a, a baseball chart, statistics and and analytics, all that stuff. But there is somebody that can put together a baseball team based on numbers, and they they can win. Moneyball is, is a great example of that. If anybody's seen that film, yeah. you know, coffee competition is insider baseball. You, you need a guy on your team, a guy or girl or, or person on your team that can help guide your choices in the competition. hundred percent. And just going back on the learning thing, I also think there's an application to it when it comes to as well, you know, having a coffee shop. I think that, you know, if you want to have a coffee shop, you need to learn, you know, you need to start early to learn how to wash the dishes and, you know, learn how to get your hands dirty and to how to make, I don't know, avocado toast and whatever it is, or learn those hospitality skills. And in terms of what you said, it's actually another point of that book that I've been reading, which is mostly psychology stuff is not one of those, you know, uh, self-made millionaire books. It's actually 
an author that was recommended uh, to me by uh, Patrick Rolfe. Um, he recommended to me uh, talking Malcolm, to strangers. Yeah, Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've I've got both books sitting on the shelf next to me here, but I've rotated the shelf so the the covers are on the back, and I got to flip them around. <laughs> They're sitting here somewhere. That's but um, and even even he mentioned that obviously having the right people next to you plays such an important role, and it's something that I'm passionate about because I think in these day and age we have a stupid advantage which is this like we we can literally message people all over the world pitching a business idea asking for something whether it's a promotion or whether it's a question or whether it's sending a compliment i think that people are worried and afraid to do it because they might be afraid of rejection which is okay it's very human um but I think that's also the way you do it. I think the minute that you approach someone and there is some sort of value that you're giving or there is some sort of like, okay, it's it's not just ask, ask, ask. It's there is a little bit or this much in for me. Um, I think that's super important to reach out to mentors, especially in this setting, which is like everybody is at home and yeah. it's so easy to read. And, and, and like you said earlier, coffee is hospitality and Often coffee people are quite good people, people, people. So very rarely we're going to meet someone online that is going to be rude about it or really shut it down uh, in, a, in a rude way. So I think right. reaching out is super important. Who was, I'm asking something there uh, for someone else because I know they're going to rewatch this. Uh, who was a person that inspired you in coffee as well as in life? I would say the... The, the competitor that, that inspired me to compete was watching Michael Phillips, 2010 London. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a super cool presentation. Uh, the way he rotated the, the hopper of the grinder to allow a third grind, a third hopper when only two grinders were, were allowed. I thought that was, that was pretty amazing. Uh, I attempted to do the same one year in, in Canada didn't go off as smooth as, as Michael Phillips, but that's okay. Uh, Fabrizio Ramirez Sension, he was the Mexican barista champion the year Raul Rodas won, I believe. He came second in WBC. He served all four espressos in different, different shapes of cup. And the extractions were all the same but he delivered different flavor notes, different tasting experiences to each of the judges because the one espresso cup was chilled and then the one espresso cup was a tulip and then the one, you know, is the traditional demitasse that you envision. And, and I, I thought to him when I was watching that, like, wow, you know, wow, you have such a level of expertise to serve four people the same coffee and tell them it's going to taste different because the ceramics are different. Yeah. And uh, it, go ahead. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and now, you know, there are so many companies coming to market with vessels specifically for coffee consumption. How fascinating. And, and he's just yeah. a, a very early adopter of the, or, or realizer of that's, concept which i think is is amazing it's amazing because like 
you know, if you think about where the coffee game was 15, 17 years ago, it's, it's been such an incredible jump. And, and speaking of, of that, uh, on, a, on a coffee, they opened a shop in Melbourne, and um, that's what they served their um, signature espresso in. They actually split the shot in two different espresso cups. So they give you the same shot, the same coffee, just in two different cups. And uh, obviously the shape of it is uh, different to give you different, yeah. uh, well, here it is, multi-sensory experience, like Andre says. So uh, right, that right. is crazy stuff. Yeah, it's super um, So, yeah, and, and, and I'm excited because I was in the wine industry before I came to Australia. And, you know, wine, whiskey, it's all about the glass and how it is made and, you know, like all these things. And I think it's so... <laughs> Someone calling you the goat. Yeah, um, I, I see that. I I know him. So I like that. Thanks, I'll thanks, Justin. that. Shout out to Justin. I'll, I'll beat that. Um, <laughs> and I think I think coffee is. It makes me excited when I had this conversation because, what's next? I think we we have seen only this much about coffee. Right. Yeah, I I think if you. If you use competition as a timeline for what's happening in the specialty world, where we're going and how fast that's now escalating. If you go to James Hoffman 07, I think he's the first guy to, to say that the farm name, to call the variety of coffee that he's serving, like it's only, that's less than 15 years ago. You fast forward slightly to, to Michael Phillips, you know, he's got three different processes of the same coffee. Now we're exploring processing. You, you jump ahead to, I don't know, Berg Wu 2016, Geisha. And you look at, you look at 2019, I suppose Boston was 2019. And we're talking about like pH levels, pressure and, and exact coordinates. Like we're, so micro focused on these details that I, I think in one hand it's it's not good for the customer because we're or the, our guests because we're leaving them behind. In in a way, it's less accessible in in a couple of uh, considerations. But it's super fascinating to consider how fast we've all of a sudden developed. But I would say yes, it, we can leave them behind, but perhaps looking at the glass half full, COVID might help with this process because now more than ever, there's people brewing at home, yeah. reading, looking, because they can't go to the coffee shop. So they're like, well, you know, even myself, I, I always liked, you know, I can't afford a, you know, a beautiful espresso machine. So usually I just, you know, go out and just get my espresso from my, you know, friends and people and supporting local businesses. And uh, I started brewing so much more that I finished, you know, my AeroPress papers, you know, I was like, oh, wow. Um, and hopefully by that, it's almost like those people who got into cooking thanks to those TV shows like MasterChef right. and all of that. So maybe the rise of home brewing will help to kind of, you know, get people to appreciate more what, what, what you do, what we I, do. I think you're, I think you're nailing it right on the head. The, you know, the first two weeks of going into quarantine, I thought, oh, shit, the, the business is done for, this is done for, we're, you know, and it was really negative. And then all of a sudden, I realized that, that right now, more than ever, is the renaissance moment for specialty coffee, where 
where, you know, this is happening. You and I are having a conversation about it and people are jumping in. But, but on top of that, people, so I, I run the e-commerce platform for uh, Rosso, our, our coffee roastery. And people that were buying our blend, you know, after their second order in quarantine, they're trying something different. And then I'm engaging with them and I'm saying, Hey, Mirko, like, thanks so much for, you know, thanks for the order. And, and that, that honey processed Costa Rican that you got. So it's a catwayi. This is what that, that means if you're interested and, you know, let me know what you think. And the next thing they're getting the, the next coffee and, and, and people are, are trying exactly like, like you said, everything. And I think it's, it's our time to shine especially especially coffee pros to, uh, you know, hit people with hospitality. If, if you're watching this and you run, you run an e-commerce business, email everybody that orders from you and say, thank you at a, at a very minimum, like make it an automation if you want to, but thank people for buying from you rather than the huge conglomerate coffee company that is in your neighborhood that they could buy from, you know, do that every time and kill them with kindness and they will come back for your coffee. Kill them. <laughs> the last, the last segment of yours, there's three gems. Well, Renaissance, that's a tricky word for me, but Renaissance of coffee. Okay. That's yeah. beautiful. Kill them with kindness. <laughs> and, and, and the, the gem obviously it's that you're so right. Like you can buy coffee from, so many coffee companies it's ridiculous right so the minute that they choose you it's the same as in melbourne when there's you know 30 shops in a little tiny suburb and they choose to walk into your door say thanks to them regardless whether they order a frappe shakerato decaf something with caramel syrup or they yeah. order your top tier coffee they're still choosing you over a zillion options so um yeah um, um yeah there's different things to reflect on that um cool we we hit the halfway mark and i have a ritual a ritual question uh, okay. the out the box question and uh, it's, it's not that bad don't worry um okay. Okay, if so you could <laughs> just quickly back up slowly <laughs> um if you could um who would you like to have dinner with and it can be anybody doesn't have to be coffee, could be alive, not alive. It's your dinner. I am going to say Kobe Bryant. RIP. Yeah. Uh, Kobe, I think, is, is the, I think he's a polarizing figure for, for many, but I think he is the, the epitome of you, you get what you work for. You know, if, if anybody needs some motivation, go to YouTube and type in Kobe Bryant interview or Kobe Bryant speech or something, something in that capacity. He is, you did know that, Stacey. I, I knew you would know that. Uh, he is an unbelievable, you know, men mentor and, and person. A, a shame that he went early. Um, on a cool flip note, this is a, a positive spin to a, a sad story, but uh, my niece was born that day. I'm an uncle for the first time ever. She was born about an hour after Kobe died. 
And I said to my brother that, that there's not enough space in this world for two greats. So maybe she'll be, you know, she'll have taken his power like, like Mike or something. We'll see. But, but there's a positive spin to a, a super sad and, and there is. heart-wrenching story. There is. And, um, well, and the other positive spin, uh, just to give a positive spin of another negative is, you know, thankfully then for Corona, we avoided God knows how many of those type of accidents. So in a way, the lockdown has also done that, uh, if we can see it that way. Because if, you know, if the virus was then before uh, the accident, the accident wouldn't happen because they couldn't have maybe flown from A to B. Um, but uh, sure. that's, that's beautiful what you said about Yeah, and congratulations for becoming uncle. Um, yeah, thanks. thanks. I'm, I'm the oldest, so... I hope that I don't become uncle because my brother needs to, you know, do other things in between. <laughs> anyway, we'll see. Uh, I'll become uncle of my, you know, my non-blood brother um, next year. And, uh, yeah, that's exciting. Hopefully, we'll be able to leave the country. But, anyway, that's the person. Uh, okay, Kobe Bryant. Um, uh, yeah, that was a beautiful answer. You're the first one uh, saying him. So, that's that's oh, fantastic yeah. figure. Yeah. But th there you go. And, uh, um Sort of going back to coffee, do you sort of, when you jump into the arena of the competition, and I don't want to make this about all competition, but do you have a little, little ritual like uh, those big basketball players are, where he's wearing weird socks or, you know, <laughs> touching I, something? I right? <laughs> uh, what do I do on a competition day? I I tend to disengage from people. I get in my own my own headspace. I do some meditation, stretching, that sort of stuff, leading into it, and try to get as far off social media and and the phone as possible. I have a ritual in all coffee competitions. This this started maybe three years ago, give or take. I buy a, a fresh pair of white sneakers. And I compete in, in fresh white kicks for two reasons. One, I look fly. Two, I'm not going to spill on these things. So tech, tech scores are going up, baby. I'm consciously not going to ruin these sneakers. Well, speaking of spillage, <laughs> that's, that's brilliant. I hope, I hope people were listening to this. A, the minute you say white shoes, that's what I thought the reason was. So there you go. Um, it's funny they talk about spillage because I was rewatching the the routine and um, when you served your milk beverage on the on the little platform, the well the last judge that you gave it to almost spilled the drink. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if you've noticed that moment, but almost spilled it. I was like, what would happen? Um, you know, maybe this is an answer I should know, but what would like? That would be interesting. I, I just never seen it, but maybe it has happened. But. I, I'm sure it has happened. I don't know if it's ever happened uh, WBC where, where somebody has spilled a drink, but I'm sure it has happened regional or national competitions. I'm fortunate to have never spilled, like, you know, a couple drops off the side of the cup, great, I can wipe it up. 
there, there's even oh the judge the judge almost like knocked it over like himself no oh, you, you, you I, did I perfectly yeah I see what you're saying that would have been really bad I don't know what happened yeah. in that instance yeah you should you, you could watch it because as he was grabbing I think that he moved he went a little bit too fast so excited and uh, he kind of caught it and I was like oh what would happen if a judge sort of like knocked it down Right. I never Is seen it in the finals, Boston finals. The only available video on YouTube, but yeah, from Boston the finals. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I'll anyway, rewatch I'll... that. <laughs> yeah, let me know. Um, the, um, sort of going back to where we are, um, we can't travel, so that's just unfortunate, but it's okay. What is the Canada coffee scene like? Because you probably have seen a pretty interesting evolution of it. I, I think Canada's got such a strong coffee scene. I think the major cities, which I would say are, are Toronto, Vancouver, Calgary, Montreal, and then sub in a, a fifth one, depending, have very unique to, to one another and just, just really dynamic coffee scenes. Uh, here in Calgary, I'll, I'll speak to, to the scene here. We have... Uh, Calgary is home to the past, uh, what is it, one, three, seven, eight, eight national barista champions. And so Ben, ben is four of them, I am two of them, and then there's, there's one on either side. Uh, so the past eight years of national barista champions live in Calgary where I'm based. There's... Uh, there's a handful of roasters that have larger, uh, larger footprints that, of retail that kind of dominate the market here, but they're all doing fascinating, fascinating stuff that, that's different. So you can explore different el elements of coffee. Uh, and then a, a bunch of, of smaller roasters that are starting to pop up, which I think is amazing. Um, Toronto and Vancouver are and Montreal are different in a sense that it's a lot of smaller roasters that are feeding into multi-roaster cafes. Calgary, for whatever reason, does not have many multi-roaster cafes. Uh, but each each of those cities is so different from one another, just, just speaking culturally or architecturally or whatnot, and that, that all trickles and is reflected in the, the culture of the coffee scene there. So I think, I think, Canada is a, a kick-ass place to be. I think it's got a really strong coffee scene. The challenge we have here, realistically, is, you know, I, Vancouver is the closest major city to me, and that's a 13-hour drive. Mm, it's Density-wise, yep. it's a little tough. Tor yep, Toronto is a four-hour flight. Montreal is a five-hour flight. Uh, it's it's tough. It, yeah, it would be. Yeah, it's, uh, it's almost well, no, not quite. I can't even compare it to to Australia because anyway, you know. Well, yeah, I would say, uh, yeah, I, I guess it's kind of sort of similar to Australia. I suppose there's a few. Yeah, if you want to go to major yeah, cities, kind of everything's yeah, on the, the yeah, perimeter yeah. of the country. Nothing's in the middle. Yeah. 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 I never thought about it that way, but yeah. Um, and speaking of traveling, the other impact is obviously origin, which is where I wanted to go um, as well. You know, you obviously you also doing forward coffee, 
um, which is yeah. something a lot to, to explore more. Um, and also, you know, the forward was a key buzzword of your presentation. So um, I believe, I believe uh, moving forward, it's important to look at what we can do in terms of progression, like you mentioned, not just the coffee shops doing uh, e-commerce because of the situation, but I think it's important to actually have understanding focus and how can origin progress and sort of innovate during these challenging times. Right. Great question. I think, I think it starts from, I think it starts from our end of the, the, the stream, right? It's, it's consumer. We live in such a consumer driven industry and they don't necessarily know that, but uh, cafes and roasters, I think, need to be willing to look outside the box of traditional coffee origins, Ethiopia, Kenya, Colombia. You know, we, we need to explore other countries and we need to invest time and resources and, and anything we can to countries that that produce coffee. And maybe they don't get the same the same care or regard on a, a global scale, like, say, uh, any country in Southeast Asia is, is a perfect example. We minus, minus, but maybe not minus Indonesia. Mm -hmm. uh, as I think as a global industry, we speak to all of those coffees as if they're dirty, as if they're, they're poorly, poorly done as if, you know, we, we have no intention of buying them. Those are for commodity traders you know, it, they have unbelievable growing conditions. They have brilliant minds. One of the best geishas I've ever had was from Nan, the, the province or department, however you say it for Thailand, uh, of Nan. And I had it in Bangkok and it, I had to go back to the cafe the second day, a, a second day to confirm that they didn't swap the coffee on me and serve me the wrong thing, but say it was the geisha from thailand it was absolutely unbelievable like wow on the level of of a finca debra you know like beautiful beautiful geisha and i think it just takes a few of 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 us that are having these conversations to talk about countries outside of of the norm traditional forward-thinking coffee countries and, and start to invest some time and resources into places like, like Venezuela, as La Republica de la Taza has just commented below. Um, Venezuela, Thailand, Myanmar, uh, India, you know, why not? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll add to the list Brazil, because I think that Brazil has always been seen in a certain way as a, as a blender, but there's amazing coffees there, has yeah. proven. But, but yeah, I think... I'm lucky because I'm in Australia because when I was working uh, for a coffee roaster from Sydney um, as a you know more on a guy on the road, we had the chance to start a program with Charlotte Malabau um, called the Underdogs. So we were kind of, they were roasting, we were roasting coffees that you wouldn't necessarily find usually. So Myanmar was one of the first times that I was lucky to drink those coffees and okay, interesting yeah. origins from, from Indonesia. And like you said, there is so much to it and that, you know, it's like 
sort of doing what we preach, which is, you know, be open-minded and be, you know, be this, people, we need to be like that, but actually be like that, not saying to be like that, but not being like that and just right. have a close, narrow-minded. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I totally. think you saw it right. It's like, you know, because ultimately, yeah, go on, sorry. I, I was just going to say, I think we need to treat the coffees that we serve the same way as we are, are speaking to treating people. You know, anybody can come into my cafe and I will, I will show them the same love as, as the next person. Dependent, doesn't, doesn't matter if, you know, they're in a suit and tie and, and look like they're Charlie Chaplin or if, if they're rough and rugged and, and need, a, need a bit of help. Or, you know, none, none, of that stuff, none of that stuff really matters in the service of coffee. Let's, let's broaden our horizons to, to the people we love and care for and also the, the coffees that, that we're able to support. I buy some coffee from Myanmar. I think they're, they're unbelievable. And the impact that the coffee is having there, you know, that's, I, I truly think, and it sounds really corny, but I truly think coffee has the power to change the world because it is, it's consumed in every country. It is recognized by every person. It is, it is grown in most countries in the world, if not all in some capacity, Canada, maybe uh, Canada maybe doesn't quite capture that, but you know, if, if we can just change some standards and ethics in different countries and, instill new values in places we're not currently looking think about the impact we can have i think you and i have connected going back to people just then because uh, that's exactly what i was gonna say uh, like 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 because you know it, there is so much beautiful positive outcome by helping and sourcing and looking to work collaborate and build relationships with all sorts of countries, not just with the usual suspects. Right. Um, and and, and we, we, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, yeah. that's beautifully said. You know, you have the usual sub suspects on your menu to, to Absolutely, yeah. people in and then introduce them to, to Myanmar, introduce them to Venezuela, introduce them to an origin that you find exciting. There's a company yeah. in Canada actually that's, I think is doing a great job at this. They're they're specifically sourcing coffees that are are not your normal normal coffees. They're called rabbit hole roasters. They're based out of Montreal and they've got a Papua New Guinea, they've got a Yunnan, they've got a Yemen. Uh, I don't know what else they have on their menu, maybe an Ecuador, you know, but but Which is exciting. Yeah. Which is exciting because we go back to we go back to what we're talking about innovation and how it's still such a young game, the coffee game. Uh, and there's people like them or there's people like, you know, Kirk and Todd at Sub-Zero Coffee. We started a company which is based only on frozen coffees and, and they just freeze their beautifully roasted coffee from interesting countries, even Yemen. Um, and that innovation will drive progression and will go, you know, will we'll push coffee forward um, and obviously, as we station say, you know, it's still service-based and it's a co coffee's an experience. And if a person yeah. is not treated nicely while getting a cup, it can ruin yeah. the whole vibe. Absolutely. We kind of discussed that earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just deliver it, I think, with a little bit of context and, you know, maybe it opens somebody's eyes to, to something new and fascinating. 
I've always, yeah, and I've always pictured as, a, as growing up in a small village in Italy, um, I would watch the movies and, you know, in the, in the movies back in the day, the bartender was that magical figure in the movies where people go and talk in their problems, where it's business yeah, yeah. or like that. Like, I think that has shifted dramatically and I think the barista is such a that figure as well. Like, I find myself become, you know, as a barista, you become a psychologist, uh, uh, a marriage counsellor, yeah. <laughs> you financial advisor, like, 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 like the, 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 the spectrum of conversations that you have is incredible and people come to you and often, especially in big cities, I would say, people don't, they come in with an excuse, they sure they want coffee, sure they want the caffeine hit and everybody wants something different, but... They also want those 11 minutes, you know. The person who tells you, oh, don't worry if it's taking you long, you know, like the person who's like, oh, don't worry about it, like, like it's okay if you make a mistake, is a person who actually wants to talk and yeah. is happy if it's taking you longer, which is yeah. hospitality. Totally, totally. Now, I, I'm going to throw something at you just, just as a, a curveball. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned the caffeine hit there. So mm -hmm. I... I think in personal personal opinion, but I think as a I think as an industry we need to move away from talking about coffee as caffeine and start talking as as coffee is flavor similar to you just mentioned you're from from Italy I'm sure you appreciate nice wine and making the assumption oh. but you know I if I open a, a bottle of wine, I want to know where it's from. I want to know what, what grape it is, et cetera, et cetera, to give some context to how it might taste and, and sort of, you know, mull some things over in my mind. I'm not looking at the alcohol percentage thinking, shit, tonight's going to be a good night. Like 14%. <laughs> uh, and I think if we, if we can shift coffee to the same mindset of it is a, it, it is not an, I need to have it, but it's a, it's a reward. It's a, a treat. It's, you know, slowly consumed and, and mindful in the practice. That's when we can start pushing origins outside of our comfort zone and, and giving more context to what it is that we're, we're doing. I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I think, I think that, you know, people, you know, your average Joe and Jennifer, um, have a certain idea on why they come into the shop, but us, we have that, like you said, uh, that, that our job is to becoming experienced flavor dealers and not caffeine dealers. Yeah. And like John Gordon said, it's, it's a privilege and it's so, it's so true. We spoke about it when, when I spoke with, with John uh, last week, Friday, I believe, or Monday. Anyway, um, and, uh, it's true, like we're so lucky and it's so accessible, right? People complaining that it's four dollars in Melbourne or five or six, they're out of their minds. Like like it's so accessible. It's it's four dollars and okay, for some people it's a lot, but like I'm talking about like the people who really have a rough, like the yeah. very small minority bit. The person who's complaining about the four dollars often the person who's buying a seventeen and a half dollar wine glass and uh, yeah. like you say, it's not to get smashed necessarily. It's just overall experience but um, yes yeah, i agree with affordable you. luxury is the way yeah. i think we should talk about it and and if you don't have time to sit and enjoy it maybe you don't need a coffee right now is yeah. the way I, uh, I look at it 
hundred percent. And and that's a big misconception around caffeine too. You know, like uh, people ask me why I drink coffee at nighttime and if I can sleep, and I'm like, well, first I don't put sugar in it. Uh, so the science shows that caffeine in coffee is actually, you know, a, a fast heat, but then it's like, you know, you kind of, the levels go down, but it's yeah. the sugar what keeps you awake. Or often tea, because it's a more of a slow release. Sure. Yeah. But that, that's, that's interesting. Um, Cole, I could go ahead probably for another good hour with you. I, <laughs> I know I you need feeling, to go. I got a feeling we could <laughs> chat for a while. That's good. That's good. <laughs> It's good. It's good. It's good. And uh, I'm glad that we got this uh, technology to meet and I'm very grateful. So first, thank you for coming in. Um, it was a, a real treat for me at this moment, uh, just as a treat, as, as a good cup of coffee. And uh, hopefully we can, we might have to do a second episode with a better organization with time zone yeah, yeah, sure. and maybe something different. We, you know, I'll leave it to your park, whether it's making a coffee, whether it's a roastery tour, whatever fancy you, and uh, we can just go and just have another, you know, episode two. Okay. And uh, I just want to ask you a last question uh, before uh, we'll close it off. I always ask the question, what's next for you? And I know it's difficult with COVID, but what's next for you is the question I got. Something I'm, something I'm trying to do right now so my near future next for me is is try to make coffees that are built for competition and and built for this market that that guys like you me john john gordon and and others that have popped up in this chat speak to with so much passion try to make those coffees more accessible to a, a market of roasters and also consumers so uh as an, as an example of efforts in trying to create that i've i have two i call them fun projects that i've designed one is called the lottery which in currently is is only na nationwide in canada so the context behind it we're just finishing our second season of of the lottery the context is uh, as a roaster, you buy in, you can buy one kilo of green for 30 bucks, 30 Canadian dollars. And you can buy up to five kilograms. So fixed, fixed amount. And then you receive a box with kind of the, the rules of the game, a couple of different things in the box, and then you have no context as to what the coffee is. So first season i'm not allowed to talk what's what the second season is because it's not quite done but first season was a, an amazing coffee from veracruz mexico uh it was four day anaerobic fermentation and it was it was this beautiful whiny red bourbon typic amazing coffee uh this one is another central american coffee i'm taking a, a loss on the program this round to to get a coffee out in the market that maybe some of these roasters wouldn't have tried before or wouldn't, wouldn't uh, pay for on a retail price point. Um, so that's the forward lottery. Uh, I'm doing a giveaway actually it's on at FWD coffee uh, Instagram page. If you want international shipping for tasting the top five roasts, which will be announced uh, Friday who the top five are in Canada. And then the, the second concept is called the Forward Five. So it's another program. This one's internationally catered. And the idea 
is you will get a box of five coffees, again, with no context, uh, 100 grams of, of each in green, or you, know, you can scale it up if, if you want more. Uh, 75 grams of roasted, if you want it roasted, I, can, I have the power to roast the coffee, I can do that for you too. Uh, but the idea here is again, just just kind of bridge the gap of accessibility. And you know, this first box is going to have a, a fifty. It, everyone is going to be a hundred Canadian dollars, with fifty dollars of that budget going to the coffee cost. So, you know, it, that affords some pretty big, big coffees. The first delivery will have a Finca Deborah. Uh, coffee. I'll I'll say that for now. The the second delivery will have a coffee that's 120 US per pound, and I think justifiably so. Uh, so it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how it it takes. But the goal is to make these coffees a little more accessible because it's really this is that insider baseball again. If if you weren't in when when that farm started out, maybe you can't get access to their coffee or whatever that looks like. So, um, yeah, that'll all be available through Forward Coffee. And the goal is to normalize uh, normalize a higher end offering and take coffee out of the four or five six dollar range and push it into the ten, eleven, twelve and higher and get people to ask why it's it's that price point and really really make the definition and leap from commercial to specialty and we'll see if that happens but that's my uh that's my that's goal. beautiful that's beautiful and uh it's uh you know everything takes its time and patience is you know obviously a big component and uh we thank you for for what you're doing i think it's it's a, it's a lot of forward thinking <laughs> um and uh <laughs> Nice. I see, I I see what you did there. I see what you did there. I'm going to write that down. Terrible. Am I uh, just still nine o'clock here? Uh, <laughs> uh, my morning looked different usually. Uh, but look, thank you. Um, thank you very much for coming. I think it's fantastic what you're doing. I'll, I'll post about your giveaway uh, after this. Um, very grateful. Uh, pleasure meeting and chatting with you. I wish when, you know, the WBC was still happening because we could have had a good chance to meet, but otherwise we'll meet in another continent at some stage. And yeah, uh, yeah let's do this again, man. It was uh, lots of fun, man. Thank you. Of course, yeah. Thanks, Mirko. Much appreciated. Thank you, brother. Enjoy, enjoy your, your I, know, I, know, I know you got a special night ahead, so enjoy your night. It's date night tonight, so I appreciate you, you making the timing work so I don't interrupt date night. That's the number Please. one rule. Don't you, make, her, don't you, make you, her upset. You enjoy day and night, and uh, we'll, we'll chat soon, but okay, thanks, man. Okay, good, buddy. Take care. Ciao. Ciao. Have time. Uh, there you have it, guys, and uh, it was uh, a very special treat. Uh, we cut in it real fine. Uh, the countdown is going to go up real soon on Instagram to leave us 30 seconds left. Um, if you just tuned in, make sure you rewatch this. It's packed up good stuff. Um, it's a real treat. Uh, we've really chatted quite was quite conversational really didn't follow through many of my questions and uh, i really appreciate it if you're new just feel free to reshare this uh, or tune on our spotify or whatever podcast platform you use and uh, thankful for all of you being here wouldn't be possible without you so thank you everybody who tuned in who's still here 
a big shout out and uh, stay safe, stay strong, stay well, and I'll see you on Friday with our next guest.